Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Commons People, the Huffington Post politics podcast with me, Owen Bennett, Ned Simons and Graham Demonick. This week we'll be talking about Brexit, TV debates, local elections and corruption. But today, with the council elections done and dusted, all eyes are now focused on the EU referendum. David Cameron kicked off the week by claiming the security of Europe was at risk if the UK voted to leave, while Boris Johnson set out what he called the Liberal Metropolitan Case for Brexit, which involved, for some reason, singing in German. Let's have a listen. I am... I am a child of Europe. I am, as I say, a liberal cosmopolitan. My family is a genetically equivalent of a UN peacekeeping force. I can read novels in French. I think I've even read a novel in Spanish. I can sing the Ode to Joy in German. I will. If you keep keep accusing me of being a little ignorant, I will. Anyway, you know it. Didn't take a lot of persuading there, did he? Uh, but anyway, on, on, uh, it wasn't just Boris singing, because on Wednesday night, many of the great and the good of the Leave campaign descended on Leicester Square for the premiere of Brexit the Movie. That's right, a crowd-funded documentary film which set out their economic and democratic case for quitting the EU. However, the real drama proved not to be on the big screen, but on the small one, with ITV announcing that UK leader Nigel Farage, who is not part of the official Leave campaign, will be debating David Cameron in an EU referendum show. Within hours of the announcement, a Vote Leave source emailed journalists claiming ITV has <coughs> lied to us in private while secretly stitching up a deal with Cameron to stop Boris Johnson or Michael Gove debating the issues properly. ITV has effectively joined the official in-campaign and there will be consequences for its future. The people in number 10 won't be there for long, said the statement. Here is Vote Leave spokesman Rob Oxley on the Today programme this morning. I, I have been very clear what I think that number 10 have tried to do here, that ITV have given into that. And I won't apologise for being critical of ITV for saying one thing in public and then round the back allowing uh, number 10 to choose their opponent in this referendum campaign. That's not how democracy works. Uh, Graham, you've been uh, looking at this story. I mean, just when I thought the Leave campaigns have kind of made peace with each other, yeah. they've fallen out again over this, and it's always with ITV stitching them up. Is that right? Yeah, that, that, that seems to be the case. So the, um, the first round of uh, lead, uh, not leaders' debates, that was the election. The first round of Move debates... On, you're living in the past. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, d- debates to do with the EU referendum announced last night. ITV announced uh, a, a, that, that Farage would go up against uh, Cameron, not face-to-face. They will be interviewed kind of separately. They're not going to go head-to-head. But the big issue with that um, was that Nigel Farage, as you know better than most, uh, Owen, is not part of the official 
uh, a vote leave campaign that's being designated and gets the party funding and, and gets the government funding, mm. etc., etc. So the argument was, uh, how can a this big uh, event that the country will be tuning into, how can a representative of uh, of the official campaign not be um, not, not, not be up? And that's what's caused them, as you said, there to threaten consequences or suggest there will be consequences for the for the ITV. It's all very kind of horses' heads in the bed, isn't it? And kind of uh, Luca, Luca Brazzi, which. Um, and uh, and this and this was the the, the the one of the two campaigns, the two prominent campaigns, especially the more dare I say sensible yeah, one. Yeah, the EU, which was the one which was uh, run by the UKIP donor Aaron Banks, was supposed to be the the crazy one sending off bizarre press releases. And yet last night we got this email through, didn't we, from this vote leave source? Yeah, promising consequences for ITV because they they basically feel that this is all on Cameron's terms. That Cameron doesn't want a debate with Boris or Michael Gove or someone because he'll be found out but he's happy to debate it with Nigel Farage yeah uh, which is strange because Nigel Farage well, that's, is quite and, good at debating yeah, and Nick Clegg thought that he'd be able to easily then. beat Farage didn't he in, the, in that EU debate yeah. and Farage effectively wiped the floor with him so I don't know why I suppose the idea is isn't it that Nigel Farage isn't good at persuading kind of the undecided so he's kind of too yeah. toxic so that's why perhaps number 10 is quite happy to have Farage up because he's just going to convince people that are already voting out but I think it would be a mistake to underestimate him Farage is very good and, and what seems strange about the kind of explosive nature of, the, of, of, of that intervention was that there's still talks going on to get Boris involved and a other vote leave figure in, 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 in the debate kind of two, two days later. So it seems strange to be kind of, you know, going off slightly half cocked, shall we say, when there's still some, some, some terms to be discussed. And we might well see Boris v you know, a, a, maybe not Cameron, but a prominent, a prominent in, in Tory. So, so I thought they were trying to avoid this blue on blue thing. They didn't want it to be seen like this was just a conservative battle, which turns lots of people off who don't, who don't like conservatives. So that's why they, they, they didn't want a blue on blue, but now they've got a blue on purple. So that's okay, <laughs> well, is it? Well, one of, maybe one of the themes, maybe, maybe what they're scratching at is one of the themes that has emerged this week from, from the vote, vote leave is that they seem to want to make it a referendum on, on, on Boris, whether you like Boris. I mean, this has been the week where he has been front and centre. Waving Cornish wave, pasties. Waving his Cornish pasty around. Down in your world, my, my, my old patch in, in, in Cornwall, uh, waving pasties around on, on battle buses, speaking to every journalist going. He gave... As we heard earlier, the kind of the, the, the kind of big speech um, and the reference to 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 Ode to Joy. So they're clearly there's been no Michael Gove, there's been no there's because been no, there's been no one else at the start of the short campaign. Yeah. So this is this is what they're what, what they're trying to do, and they're and they're big man, their front man, they're Liam Gallagher, if you will, <laughs> isn't, isn't going to be isn't going to be involved in this big debate. Um, with Cameron, so, which, so I can understand. Who's not? I just want to tease this just ripped on that now because now we're on my phone. <laughs> yeah. So if he's Liam, then who is who's, who's Nigel in this then? Who's uh, not Noel? Is he? Is, is he in Blur? Goes Noel, right? Goes right in the song. Yeah. Boris goes out and sings it. Liam. So you're saying that? I think we should put this analogy out, out with misery. Or is he more like a kind of? The guy from the Charlatans, like never really going to break new audience. Sin Burgess, yeah. they're good. You're not along, but you'll never, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 you'll never yeah. love them. You'll never get a tattoo. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, we didn't think we Move on. But so at the beginning of the week, there we had David Cameron. Um, you talked about Boris being the the front man of, of Vote Leave. David Cameron, who 
It's not supposed to be the front man for Britain's Strong Grin. That's supposed to be Lord Rose. But last time they wheeled him out, he said that we'd all get a pay rise if we left the EU. So they kind of put him <laughs> back in the box really quickly. So they thought, oh no, we'll send Cameron out. He won't say anything silly. Oh, he said there's going to be World War Three. Well, he didn't quite say that, but yeah. he basically said, didn't he, Ned, that... God, yeah, and the thing is, though, he kind of, they're standing by, aren't they? He said, you know, if we leave Europe, it will go to war again for some he reason. Said that, yeah, and then risk, risking all the peace. Exactly. Of exactly. Yeah. And, but, they, you know, they stood by. I mean, Alan Johnson, who was at, at Labour, did their kind of big in-launch with their bus uh, the other yeah. day. Was Jeremy Corbyn there? He was there. He turned up, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did turn up. In okay, the rain. In the rain. Alan Johnson had an, someone holding an umbrella over him, but no one did that for Corbyn. Make about what you will. <laughs> But Johnson was kind of weird. We asked him, you know, isn't this a bit over the top? It's overblown saying it's going to be World War Three, And he was like, no, absolutely right. Yeah. It's a security, it's a threat. The Prime Minister's completely correct. Absolutely. And then what did Johnson do to just take <laughs> a little bit of petrol on the fuel? What did he yeah. say? He then, uh, then told us that um, Brexit camp are all extremists. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. People, there were still six weeks to go. Yeah. People, we're, we're extremists we, and uh, World War Three. And, I don't know how Johnson. you get any higher, do you? Like, There's a political the, phrase of big bazookas, isn't there? We've let oh, up, <laughs> we've let up our big bazookas <laughs> to our And we went from uh, war to a debate about uh, Cornish pasties and protection from Right. I know which one I was more interested in that. And I think the people probably are just as, maybe not more interested in passes than war, but um, that's the kind of scale we've had this week from the kind of sublime to do with it. Well, that's really. actually, talking about the debates, I mean, the, the big debate at the end, isn't it? The BBC's hosting this kind of um, a Wembley Arena, so like, um, yeah. sort this of, you know, like, mass like kind of dream. Uh, thing with yeah. kind of the Brexiters on one side, the Remain camp on the other side. I and mean, that could be actually quite kind of fruity, couldn't it? Like, all these people in the audience all kind of worked up. It in my quite, mind, uh, it's a bit like Live Aid. Is that how it's... Glastonbury, perhaps. Yeah. Status quo. And everyone going to do like a Freddie Mercury? And just, is he yeah. Freddie Mercury now? I thought he yeah, was Liam Gallagher. Uh, no, no. Oh, hang on. Anyway. Right. anyway. Yeah. Um, there was something else I was going to ask you about. I completely forgot what it was. Oh, that was it. Nicholas Soames. Nicholas Soames. You interviewed Nicholas Soames, who is the grandson of Sir Winston Churchill. Sir Winston Churchill, who apparently, according to people these days, supports all sides of this debate. And you asked him about Cameron's World War Three. He didn't say World War Three, Cameron, but claimed that the security is at risk in Europe. What did Sir Nick say? Well, Sir Nicholas is a, is a, 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 a younger uh, listeners may know him now from Twitter, having been a, a, a recent kind of convert to the social media microblogging website. Thank you for explaining what Twitter was. Right? <laughs> yeah. And um, he has become a bit of a star, particularly his, his free, free willing hashtags, which are, are, are numerous and, 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 and kind of cavalier in their approach. Um, so, so I asked, as you say, uh, Winston Churchill has been has raised on both sides of the, uh, of the argument as he would be backing both Brexit and, and to remain. So I, have to, I, I asked uh, uh, Sir Nicholas, a, an MP of 33 years in his own, in his own right, what he thought um, he, his, his grandfather would, would support. And his argument was that um, even though Churchill intimated that he wouldn't back a, a United States of Europe in, in his time, he, Churchill had seen, had seen so much from in, in his kind of, kind of 55 odd years or whatever in, in kind of public office that he, his, his, views may well, his, his views may well have changed. And, he said he, and what, the striking point was that um, Churchill to, to his last cabinet said, always stick with the Americans. And this was the yeah. bit that Sir Nicholas Cecil was saying as a reference to effectively Churchill would have listened to what Obama said and, and don't. Because Soames got quite angry at Boris, didn't he, when Boris said that um, Obama, Boris kind of raised uh, Churchill in his reasoning why Obama shouldn't have intervened. 
and yeah. Soames in his kind of you know unique Twitter way really went for Boris over that, saying that you know don't use Churchill, you don't want Churchill. Here's the question though: Would he still be saying we just stick with the Americans if Donald Trump becomes president? Well, I don't know. I know it's a separate issue, but yeah, even they might have gone not even not even so Winston could have foreseen that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to get into well, hypotheticals. I don't yeah. Think. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that was uh, that was it was yeah, it was Brexit this week. More of that forever. Oh, it's time for stat of the week. Actually, sorry, Graham. Is there, okay. a, is there a jingle for this? Uh, they're not yet, but we won't. Yeah, some big names, big names yet. lined up. Yeah, in talks. Liam Gallagher. Is this um? Oh, go on. There will be consequences if if there is not a jingle. Yeah, yeah all, right. Yeah, all right. right. Good. Throw it back. Um, stat of the week. So, um, in nineteen seventy, in the nineteen seventy five European referendum. Labour cabinet colleagues Roy Jenkins and Tony Bennett went head-to-head on TV. That was interesting. That debate got 8 million viewers. By comparison, the seven-way leaders' debate on ITV in last year's general election got around 7 million. So 8 million versus 7 million. Yeah, think about it. There's more people in the country now than there was then. So More people had TVs now? More, yeah, yeah more less channels. people chose to watch it. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what that stat tells us. but It's a stat. It's a stat. Yeah, right. good start. Before the madness of this week's e-referendum campaign, there was the small matter of the local elections last week. Labour won 1,326 seats. Sounds good, but it's actually a net loss of 18. They slumped to third place in Scotland and just about clung on to power in Wales, where UKIP picked up seven Assembly members. The Conservatives lost 48 seats overall, but the big winners, in some ways, were the Lib Dems, who actually picked up 45 seats and gained control of Watford Council. But the headline news was that Sadiq Khan beat Zach Goldsmith to become London Mayor after, let's be honest, quite a nasty campaign. Here's Sadiq Khan's victory speech. This election was not without controversy. And I'm so proud that London has today chosen hope over fear and unity over division. I hope... I hope that we will never be offered such a stark choice again. Fear does not make us safer, it only makes us weaker. And the politics of fear is simply not welcome in our city. So that was, uh, that was Sadiq Khan there, uh, make, giving that speech as Zach Goldsmith looked on. And it was actually left to the Lib Dem leader, Tim Farron, to raise the nature of the Conservative campaign with David Cameron in PMQs. I heard the Prime Minister on two occasions this afternoon congratulate the new Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, and I would like to repeat that myself. He did not, however, apologise for his graceful, racist campaign the Conservative Party chose to run in that campaign. Will he take the opportunity to apologise for deliberately dividing communities in order to win cheap votes? It's a great way to end the session, getting a lesson in clean campaigning from the Liberal Democrats. We are joined now by Paul War. Um, Paul, you um, interviewed Sadiq this week, didn't you? And did he, when you spoke to him, did he say anything about Zach Goldsmith's campaign? Or was he very sort of determined now to actually move on from that and focus on the job of being Mayor of London? 
What's clear is that just as at the PLP on Monday, um, he's not forgiven nor forgotten David Cameron for what uh, was said during the election campaign. Um, he told the PLP on Monday night, um, the Tory party owes London an apology. It was one of the remarks that he made, actually, despite the rest of the stuff about Corbyn getting all the headlines. This is the stuff that actually most MPs really liked because um, it's in tune with everybody across all sections of the Labour Party. And when I chatted to him at City Hall on Wednesday, um, he again uh, was in no mood for compromise with Cameron or with Donald Trump. Um, and uh, he made quite clear that although Zach Goldsmith has responsibility and should take responsibility for what was said in his name, he said it starts at the top. It came from the top, this whole campaign. And so he was not remotely convinced that Cameron has, has yet got into his head that there needs to be an apology. And I note actually that... Um, Zach Goldsmith sent out around an email. We all get these emails. You may or may not have seen them. We're all signed up almost automatically to these emails from all the political parties that they send to their supporters. I got one today from Zach Goldsmith. Dear Paul, um, I'm incredibly proud of the campaign I fought. Well, that's funny because a lot of other Tories aren't. I mean, Ken Clark's spoken out against it. Uh, the deputy leader, I think, on the GL on the London Assembly, spoke out against it last week. Um, Baroness Vasey spoken out against it. The deputy mayor, Boris's deputy mayor, made the very valid point that actually this was guilt by association, mm. and it's not the sort of thing we need to be associated. So, with. how does this take this nationally now? Because this campaign, I think, people have, across the country, this is open across the country, would agree, have picked up on the kind of way this campaign's gone. Has this damaged the Tory Party? Badly nationally, is it brought back the fact that they're the nasty party, or will this only have mattered in London and it'll be forgotten about soon? Well, a lot of Conservatives are quite cynical about it. They think that this is, you know, they can cauterise it, they can keep it within London, and that London has a different ethnic makeup. They say, you know, let's be frank, this is an election that was fought in a very multicultural city, and you need to, they need to learn the lessons of that. But they say outside London, they're, they're quite brutal. And I think that's why you haven't seen a Cameron apology, an outright one, and that's why you haven't seen a Zach apology even, um, because they think that they were asking legitimate questions about someone's judgment. And but I, there are some Tories are very nervous about that and think an apology actually would just draw a line under it. Before we go on to Labour, I want to ask Ned, Lib Dem fight back, hashtag. Yeah, that's the, that's the top story, that's isn't the top it? Story, right? like... they, they, they actually, Berries, they, yeah. actually, they gained 45 seats. They gained yeah. them, right? They have 45 more seats on Friday <laughs> than they did on Thursday, okay? They're basically a government now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, right? Back and, in coalition and they, on they, that. They gained control of Watford Council, yeah? Yes, I mean, I mean, they're doing better than they were before, but they were. It's a low bar. But it's a pretty low bar, isn't it? I mean, I think it'd be hard for them to not do a bit better. I mean, they'll be happy with it, but they're still pretty, you know, pretty knocked out of the election, didn't they? I wouldn't would, get too excited about <laughs> it. Go home and prepare for government. No, not really. No, the the so. Lib always had quite a strong local council yeah, power yeah. base, and even throughout the coalition times, it wasn't knocked significantly by the national picture. So they've. They've, all, they've, they've still got a presence locally, and that'll be yeah. vital to their to their fight back. But to to kind of the the, the green shoots, I think yes. Nick Clegg tweeted about on Friday. It was a bit awkward. Might be a little bit premature. They got one seat in Manchester, yeah, they got a seat didn't in they? Manchester. Was John it was Leach, John Leach, the former so. MP, and Watford obviously was quite a good success yeah. for them. Denied taking seats from the Tories. But away from the local elections, I mean, Wales was a disaster. London was Absolutely. a disaster. Absolutely, down to one one uh, member yeah. of the Welsh yeah. Assembly now. Did very poorly in London. Um, 
I mean, the, the big success in Wales actually was UK. I mentioned they got seven seats there. Is Team Neil Hamilton? Um, <laughs> it feels strange saying his name without the words disgraceful Tory MP in front of it. But Neil Hamilton. You still can say that. You still can say that. Is now not only did he get elected to the Welsh Assembly within five days, he launched a power grab <laughs> and overthrew UKIP's Welsh leader. Except he didn't because under UKIP's rules, there are now two. Welsh leaders of UKIP. Oh, this will go well. Nathan Gill, who is the leader of Wales and UKIP, and then there is Neil Hamilton, who's the leader of UKIP's members of the Welsh Assembly. Right. So there we are. There you go. Straightforward then, as always. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, UKIP are just going bizarre. But the big story, of course, is Labour, because in some ways it was the kind of worst result for both sides. If you're uh, if you're an anti-Corbyn member of the Labour Party, you don't support his leadership, there wasn't enough of a knockout blow to go, right, now he must act. Yeah. If you're pro-Corbyn, there wasn't enough of successes to say, ah, shut up. So, yeah. Paul, you were PLP on Monday, the Public Labour Party meeting. Sadiq got, what, a minute-long standing ovation when he came in? He did. He got this Mexican standoff between the Corbyn critics and Corbyn allies. You know, the, the, the Corbyn critics quite clearly would have loved let's be honest, for those results to have gone uh, much worse and for them to have lost councils. Uh, the Corbyn allies say, look, you know, we're making steady progress. It's all a game. It's all based on the expectations management of what happened before uh, these elections last week. Um, you've got to look at it really as to whether or not the people who want to get rid of Corbyn are so determined that they're going to do it this year, come what may. And I've been talking to a few people and they, they say, well, what are the triggers if we don't do it this year, if we don't do it immediately after the June referendum? Mm. Um, and you're struggling next year. You know, there's the Shire County Council elections. There's no obvious way Labour's going to be seen as being defeated in those because they're Tory seats. Um, a by-election wouldn't be good enough because the Corbynistas will quite rightly say, well, that's a localised area. Mm. It's not a national vote. Last week was the biggest single electoral test of the entire parliament between the general elections the number of people voting the number of seats up for grabs that was it that was the big test there's not going to be anything comparable there's going to be the metropolitan elections in two years time and maybe a few others but nothing on the same scale and that's why some of those who want to get rid of corbyn think it's now or never but i have to say you know they're becoming diminished in number as i say i mean you're you're much closer than i am but people that I speak to I'm getting the sense that there's not you know the knives are not being sharpened they're not they're not you know planning an attack anytime I mean Stephen Kinnett before set out to us didn't he on Commons people a few weeks before the election what Corbyn needed to achieve and he said you know it'd be a disaster if we were third in Scotland hey guess what they're third in Scotland and he said it'd be a disaster if we lost Wales and they've kind of half lost Wales but kept Wales so it's not as bad as it could have been Um, I think the real issue is you know what the party is going to do about the membership and what they want to do. And and some in the PLP think, well, sod the members. You know, they, they really don't get it. And they look at the it's NEC not, elections. It's, it's not. Members. Vote but, for me, but, but sod uh, off. There, there is one glimmer of light for all those people who are sort of on the so-called moderate wing of the party, and that is the NEC elections coming up. And it looks like, I mean, now Ken Livingstone's fallen off the slate of the left, um, the slate of the world. Uh, <laughs> the, the, um, the, the moderates are quite hopeful that they could get their people on the NEC and then that could help them bide their time for another year. And because if they've got a bit more power on the NEC, then they can fight off attempts to really embed and entrench Corbyn's rule. What I'm looking forward to is all these late night meetings at City Hall 
uh, that Labour and moderate Labour parties go along to. What, why, why are you here? I'm just meeting Tariq about bicycle lanes. Yeah. And stuff. It's not, we're definitely not plotting a coup. We're just, we're just passing De- by, yeah, yeah. Definitely not plotting a coup. You're an MP in Cumbria. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think about Jamie Reid then? No. He won't mind us. <laughs> he won't mind actually. He's in Washington at the moment. Anyway, um, speaking of unguarded moments, weren't we? David Cameron yeah. got caught out this week, didn't he? On the microphone. What did he say, Ned? What did Cameron say? He uh, called the leaders of Nigeria and Afghanistan fantastically corrupt. Well, the countries. The co- well, the countries, yeah. yeah, not the leaders, actually, that's yeah, right, yeah. the countries. So, I'm nervous because I can tell it's like a quiz about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so he really threw me off because I can see something dreadful about, yeah, about yeah. his approaching. So I, I looked at the list of um, corrupt, the corruption index, perceived corruption index from last year. Nigeria's ranked 136. Okay? okay. Out of... Well over 100. <laughs> right, okay, no context. Just throw a number on About 200, right? Afghanistan was a lot lower, so it wouldn't have worked for the purpose yeah. of this quiz. I'm going to give you some names of countries, and you've got to tell me whether they are squeaky clean, which is above Nigeria, right? okay, Nigeria. or corrupt machine, which is below. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just, for, just for context, United Kingdom is 10th, joint right. 10th, all right? Okay. Understand the rules? Yeah. Yeah. Squeaky clean. I my hand on Go on. Venezuela. Is that a uh, squeaky clean or corrupt machine? Uh, squeaky, clean. squeaky clean. I think it's going to be a bit better than Nigeria. Squeaky clean. Incorrect. 158 in the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Marking it down. <laughs> <laughs> Rwanda. That's hard. Uh, don't, don't, aren't they the darling of Africa? So A lot of people say they, they quite like Rwanda, but they had... Yeah. In terms of their economic development, but then a they've, they've got well, a president. Yeah, they've got a president who's. Uh, uh, I'm going to say corrupt machine. Corrupt so machine. Let's go the corrupt machine. I'll go squeaky clean. Squeaky clean. Forty fourth. Forty fourth. Yeah. Well done, Rwanda. Half post favourite Gambia. Gambia. Then my I'm keep on that carrot on the tube. You got to tell me they're more less corrupt than Nigeria. I think less corrupt. Squeaky, squeaky clean, clean. Squeaky yeah, clean. I'm with you. They're way with their money, obviously. They're <laughs> around, but corruption is squeaky clean. It is squeaky clean, 123rd. That's so good. clean, they leave the money lying exactly. around. Uh, Nicaragua. Uh, it's a little uh, shout-out to any fans of magic creatures there. I can understand yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, corrupt machine, I think. Because of its Latin history, yeah, corrupt machine. Ooh. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Venezuela. Venezuela, you yeah. said earlier. Yeah. Go with Gaffy, yeah, corrupt machine. No, it's squeaky clean. 130. Oh. Oh. So it's close, but no cigar. Uh, Panama. Topical. In the news. <laughs> uh, I think squeaky clean. Yeah. Squeaky clean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 72. What are you marking when you're marking things down? Just cross them <laughs> off. Uh, uh, okay, let's, let's, okay. Syria. Ooh, Syria. It would be great if it was counterintuitive and it was yeah. it was m- less am I, corrupt. Am I that smart? How do you even survey how corrupt it is now? Yeah, this must be an oh, old statistic. Yeah. No, last year. Last year? 2015, baby. Tell me the name. Just go on Twitter if there's one. I think it would be squeaky clean. <laughs> the micro-blogging platform. Yeah. <laughs> it's squeaky clean, I reckon, on the grounds that the, the government apparatus would lie about how corrupt it is. Well... You're overthinking it, in a way, because it's 154th, so it's, it's corrupt machines. It's perceived corruption, isn't it? Oh. So you don't ask government shops people to deal with it. Oh. So, and, f- uh, and finally, <laughs> yeah. listeners, Iran. Um, 
squeaky clean. Yeah, you're right, you're right. 130, joint with Nicaragua. Oh, there you go. That was this week's quiz. A lot, <laughs> a lot of them have got records to be particularly proud of. You call them squeaky clean. Well, They're still quite... Compared, in Cameron's mind, they would be, wouldn't they, eh? Right. Chatting away. Less fantastically yeah. corrupt. Tip the light fantastic. I don't know what that means. That's excellent. Very good. I'm knackered from last night's Brexit media premiere. I'm still, I'm still so starry-eyed. Clang! Yeah, Sorry, did everyone. you go to the... I did. You on the red I was there with Jacob Reed-Mogg. I think you just dropped something on the floor. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> not. You have not lived till you've had last champagne with Dan Hannon. Right. <laughs> have you, did. Does anyone did, you, know? did you write a book? Well, I don't have to talk about it, but, it's out, it's out now. but yeah, so that was... That was did, you, did you pose with Miss England? That's the really important question. No, I didn't because everyone else seems to have. I know, but Frost, Frost certainly did. She, she turned up. You're going to launch into a 15-minute Mark Commode-like review of how bad the film was, a la Six and the City 2 and yeah. uh, Entourage. Uh, no, because I think everyone should watch it. Apparently David, David Davis is in it a lot. <laughs> David Davis is in it a lot. and um, very, Sorry, listeners, but Mark Littlewood, the head of the Institute of Economic Affairs, is in it an awful lot. Right? He's Hollywood. He's, on it, he's in it about four times as much as Farage. <laughs> Basically, there is not a single mention of the word immigration in the whole film. So Farage's points are just like, re- like really weird sentences where he's about to say, and the thing about the EU, obviously a siphon of democracy is, cut that off and just get rid of that. <laughs> cut, cut to and Littlewood. And then he goes straight to Mark Littlewood to about how great the Industrial Revolution was. Unless, of course, you happen to be a 10-year-old child whose job was to get bits of wool out from a machine and you lost your fingers. But anyway, right. that's just my view. Oscar buzz? Are we? <laughs> you know, I think I, I would put some money, personally, on uh, Steve Baker, best sporting actor. <laughs> right, <laughs> okay. That's a good shout. What's, what's the cinematography he was like? bloody convincing. The yeah, on Sen. It had a clean, a clean, a clean haze. Yeah. I was a bit more like noir. Was the sound was all right. The sound was good. And the special effects were fair to middling. Right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that I would was... give it three thumbs up out of five. Tune in next week for some more political-rated things. But I'm going to leave you now with, before Tim Farron got the chance to get his question in, he was met with a lot of heckling from the Tory benches, and here is John Burko trying to help him out. See you later. The Prime Minister... Order! The rights of my order! (laughs) However irritating the honourable gentleman... be to government backbenchers, he has a right to be heard, and he will be heard, Mr Tim Farron. I am am fantastically grateful to you, Mr Speaker.